I'm sure we could all identify with times when we have been particularly busy and we have been working hard at whatever it might have been we're doing. And after such a course of labor, what do we do? Well, we need to sit down and rest. That's the way we are made. We need time to replenish our energies and to be restored physically. Time to eat, time to reflect even. And another thing which we might do if we're involved in a particular kind of work, whenever we do rest, we might reflect or look over our work. The person who has been working hard in the garden, planting the flowers, trimming the lawn, doing all the work that's required, what will they do? Well, surely part of their rest will be to go out into the garden and to sit and simply enjoy what they have been doing, to see the things that have been growing, to appreciate the flowers and the colors, and to think about it. Instead of planning and thinking what needs to be done, to simply absorb and enjoy the beauty of the work that has been done. Although in the gardening program yesterday morning, somebody referred to the fact that you don't get much time to do that. And maybe, maybe we're, if you're a gardener, you think you only see what needs to be done. But there should be rest and appreciation of work that has been completed. That picture could be, of course, applied to many things. Somebody who builds an engine, somebody who does something completely different, somebody who who plans out and draws the plans for a building, might walk into the building when it's complete and appreciate all the work that has been done. We've been looking at the book of Genesis, the early chapters, and I've said these are the bedrock for the rest of Scripture. God's dealing with man. Last week, we noted uh, God creating the world by the very word of his mouth. And what a mighty work of creation it is. We see it all around us, and we ought to marvel at God's world. This morning, we want to think especially about the seventh day. And I purposely didn't even refer to the seventh day last week, when we were thinking about the six days. We noted in the six days how God uh, formed the earth and took that initial mass and formed it into uh, the earth and the sea and then filled it with the animals and the fish and the birds and then his work was completed. Some have suggested that the first three verses of chapter 2 of Genesis really belong to chapter 1. They suggest that Stephanus, who was the one in the 16th century who gave us the the divisions of verses and chapters, they say that he was doing that when he was riding on horseback. Some suggest that maybe the horse jumped or whatever, and he, he didn't always get it right. And in some places, the chapter endings are slightly arbitrary. And some suggest that this is one of those places that surely these three verses fit in and complete chapter 1. And we could well argue the case for that. But there is another 
thought, and that is that these three verses are something different. He is bringing us, uh, perhaps verse 1 should join the end of chapter 1, but verses 2 and 3 tell us about something very different, about a seventh day. And even the way in which Moses records this day is different. In the previous days we had evening and we had morning, the fifth day and so on. But now as we come to the seventh day, it begins simply telling us, by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And the focus on these verses is on the rest of God. And that is what we want to think about today. God rests. God rests. And we want to think about this not only as God resting, but how he sets this as a pattern for man and gives it to man. And then it is followed by Christ and it is even completed then in eternity. And we'll refer later to Hebrews 4 where we read about the rest that is ours. But we want to begin here that God rests. We see in these verses this pattern is set. Set for future generations. Uh, this day that God gave us here in Genesis chapter 2 is for our benefit. It is a pattern. And we need to examine what God does. It is a different day. No longer does God speak. Creation has been completed. The record in the previous verses show that the words, then God said, and it was made. That is all done. The text here begins with the seventh day and telling us God has finished or God has completed the work. That's the first of three verbs in these verses and all of them are important. Here is the completion of the work. The six days God has made everything and we have noted that uh, back in chapter 1 he saw it all and it was very good. There was nothing more to be added, nothing more to be done. It was very good. It's not like us when we go out and do a task so often we do something and then we see more that could be done or we could improve it here or we could add something there. When God saw his creation, it was completed. That's what we read at the very beginning of this chapter. The Lord God had finished, completed the work. The only time after this that God does any kind of work of creating, we might refer to, is the work of giving the Israelites the food of manna in the desert. Surely there was something of God creating there, but it's different. He is providing in that case for his people. Or we could turn to Christ as he fed the 5,000 or the 4,000 and their hunger he created, he, he, he remember, blessed the bread that was there and it multiplied 
Obviously, it's a creative work. Why was that? It wasn't adding to creation. It was supplying the need of men and women who were in fainting with hunger at that time, making provision for man's need. But generally here the work is completed. And it was very good. Verse 31 of chapter 1. There was, God saw all that he had made. It wasn't just good, it was very good. Then we read there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. Completion of the work. How often can we say we have completed a work and it is good? We always see the flaws. But God's work was good. A second verb here then we come to is that of the rest. What does God do now that the work is complete? Well, we're told in the second of three phrases in this text. He says, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And here we find another difference from the way that God records the previous six days. There was no evening and morning. God simply rests. There's no end to the day. This rest of God is something that he had entered into. But it wasn't just a rest for a day. And there's a sense in which he was rested from that work forever. Because it was completed. His rest is also different from your rest and mine. There is no sense in which God was wearied or exhausted or in any way needed to replenish his strength. Those things all apply to us. If you've had a hard day's work, we need to go home and rest and be restored and get our energies replenished, but not so with our God. And the word that is used here doesn't mean any of that kind of thing. It means more that he he rested, he enjoyed, he delighted in his creation. He looked at it. It's like the gardener going out and sitting in the garden and just admiring all the flowers and the way everything sits. God rested and enjoyed and was satisfied in the completed work. We could also say that in a sense, God, though he's finished the work of creating, didn't stop working. Because we know that it is by his power that the whole of creation is sustained. He is sovereign. The whole universe is sustained by him. Just think of the miracles of the Old Testament, how he was able to make the sun stand still and our scientists would tell us that's impossible if the sun stopped well everything else would revolve and get out of place but what did God do he held everything in its right place so that the sun could stand still or in the other uh, place where the shadow goes back up the steps how did that ever happen it's a total impossibility from the scientist's point of view Because God's hand is on creation and he was able to just stop and even turn the earth back on its axis. He is at work sustaining, keeping 
and overlooking his creation. We could say his work as he rests and enjoys it continues in providing for his creatures, for men and women especially who have rebelled against him. And that work that continues is the work of redeeming grace. He rests, however, in that he delights in his creation. He blessed his creation. So the work is completed. God rests. And then we see the third part of this is that he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. In other words, the Lord God made it a day for himself. He ceased from his work. He rested. And he made it a day in which the Creator was to be honored and the creation as something to be enjoyed. And there we have sometimes the problem of some people. We spend all our time doing the work and not enough time enjoying the work that we have done, looking at it and just appreciating what has taken place. So busy, so busy thinking about what more can be done. God says this day was given to be holy for you for God, for himself, to appreciate, to delight in, to enter in, as it were, to fellowship, certainly with man, for the honor that we might honor him. So here is God's rest, setting a pattern. Activity ceased. An enjoyment of the world. A holy day for God. Secondly, I want to think about this then as God's rest, a pattern given for man. And we find this when we turn to uh, later in the Old Testament, in fact, to the commandments. How does God frame the fourth commandment? Let me remind you, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And clearly, God is taking this pattern of rest that he has shown us in chapter 2 of Genesis. And he's saying, now I am giving this to you, men and women, to be a day of rest for you. We are to work six days. And we are to do all the work that we can. But on the seventh day, there is to be a cessation of life's labors. It is to be a day in which we stop and rest. and A day in which we come before God in all His holiness and honor Him. It is given to you and me for our spiritual health 
and growth. You see, God, our Creator, knows us. He knows us better than anyone else could know us. And He knows that what we need is a day, not just to stop physical work, but a day when we can stop from all the worldly activities and reflect upon God and His world and how He is our Lord. So we have been given this day as a day of rest, a day in which we can rejoice in the created order, a day when we can come together to worship God and enter into fellowship with Him. Remember, He rested and made it holy for Himself. And He's saying to us, I want you to fellowship with me on the Lord's day. That's why it is important we join together as a people of God, encouraging one another, fellowshipping together with Christ for the glory of God. In Israel, this Sabbath day, this day of rest, was to be preserved. As you read through the Old Testament, you will find there are warnings given about dishonoring the Lord's day. Uh, There are times when the people are challenged because they have not protected the seventh day, the day of rest that is to be given to God. There is criticism of those who cannot wait for the seventh day to be over till they get back to their trading. It's become a burden to them. They don't like it. They should be using it for the honor of God and for their own spiritual good. And as we learn uh, the Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. And we are to take time in all of life, but particularly on the seventh day, to rest and to look around us and say, Glory be to the God who made everything. But it's not just a day for remembering creation. In Deuteronomy as Moses adds to this commandment, in verse 15, chapter 5, he goes on to say this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And there what Moses is doing under God is saying, you are to remember on this day God's great provision for you. And that's what you and I are to do. We're to remember on this day God's great provision for us. We are to remember the Savior. That is how we are to make the day holy. Remember in the pattern God ceased from his activity God blessed the day having rested and made it a holy day. And that's how we make the day holy, by remembering Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And it is to our peril spiritually, but in every other way as well, if we are heedless and indifferent to the Lord's day. There are, of course, those who will argue that the commandment no longer applies. 
I think they ignore the pattern set by God in creation. Their arguments don't stack up. They cannot undermine or reject the beginning of Genesis and still have an intact faith. These things are crucial for our walking with God. And so we have a day of rest. Another argument, of course, in our day will be that people say, but that was the seventh day. You rest and you take the Lord's day as the first day of the week. And of course we'll be criticized by the unbeliever and others who will want to try and undermine our faith. But on what day of the week did the Lord Jesus Christ rise from the grave? It was the first day of the week. And it is that day ever since that his people have joined together. And we see it in Scripture. It was the first day of the week the disciples came to celebrate the risen Lord. And ever since, the Christian church has met on the first day of the week to worship God, to rest from our labors, and to glorify his name. God, in that way, has, if you like, moved the day of rest from being at the end of the week to being at the beginning of the week. And that is fitting. So that as we come together today, we refocus on our Savior. Bring our lives back into a right pattern with God so that we can go out into the rest of the week to work to honor Him. So here's a day of rest. God rests. It is a pattern given for man. Thirdly, I want to just make the point that as God rests, it's a pattern that was followed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we note this uh, Sabbath day. Uh, We note here in Genesis there was no end to the day. It was in a sense an eternal day with God. And when we come to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He came to do a work. And His work was the work of salvation. Jesus Christ came and gave himself to that work during his earthly life. He honored the Lord's day. He was often found in the synagogue on the seventh day. When his work was done in John 19 verse 30, he cried out, It is finished or it is completed. In other words, the task is done. And then, having died on the cross and been buried in the tomb, on the first day he rose again and entered into what we could describe as his rest. Because he had completed the work, Jesus Christ returned and ascended to the Father where he was able to rest. The writer of the Hebrews picks up on the rest of Jesus, speaking to the people of God, having a Sabbath rest, and he demonstrates, as we read from the history of Israel, that that rest is entered into by faith. They must believe in the Lord Jesus. Israel often had a lack of faith. It's not just a matter of knowing that Jesus is the Christ, 
but truly believing in him and recognizing that he completed the work of salvation. It is all done. Nothing can be added or taken away from it. And what a benefit that is to you and me. To think of Christ's work complete. We can do nothing for ourselves. You and I as sinners must bow before him and accept everything that he has done. For he has finished that work. I cannot add any more to it. No matter how hard I will try or how many good works I do, it doesn't add one iota to my salvation. It is a matter of me entering in to Christ by faith. And so we see the pattern worked out in Jesus doing his work and then ascending into heaven where he rests from his work And what does he do during that rest? Well, he continues to fellowship with his people. He is with you and me. He never leaves or forsakes us. He is, as God did continue to sustain creation, Christ continues to sustain his people. And he delights in his people. He delights when you bow before him and worship him. It honors him. And he is pleased when we cry out to him in prayer. Because we are his, bought by the price of his own precious blood in the work that he did. So we need to believe truly on the Savior and his completed work. There are many in the world, of course, who will reject the Lord Jesus. They reject the whole idea of this. What happens to them? They have no peace and no rest. People who have none of this, where are they at? Well, deep down, they're still trying to earn their own salvation. We've already seen that this day was given for man and is forgiven for us so that we might and need realize we need to have faith in Christ. And when we think of the pattern of Christ, we realize it's a faith in Him. And without that, Is there any rest? Not at all. For the ungodly will still be trying to earn their reputation or by their good works think that they'll have done enough. It will never be enough. They will never be at rest. And in fact, that rest will come to nothing because they will be forever going about their labors in the pit of hell. The Hebrew writer speaks about the disobedience of Israel and he says, still remains that some will enter that rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Wonders that anyone not going in because of disobedience today, not entering this rest. God has called it a day of rest. What does the Hebrew say? He says, it is today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There's rest for you sin-sick souls in Christ who has done the work to bring you to rest. Therefore, make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will fall by following the example of disobedience that Israel set.
So the, the, the word tells us there's a rest for you. You need to enter in. Rest all on Christ. He has followed this pattern and we need to uh, in him rest from our selfish labors that try to earn our salvation. It cannot be done. We must bring glory to God. Then the last part of this I want to think about is God rests. It is a pattern that is completed in glory. You've already seen perhaps that's where we're going to because as God rests in Genesis chapter 2, it's an eternal day. And that rest truly is completed whenever we as his people will come to the end of our lives and enter into glory. And the true rest will be ours then. And the true fellowship with God, we will then know all about his rest and his holiness and his ways and the pattern that he has set for us and given to us will be absolutely fulfilled. Surely that's the rest which you and I should desire to enter into Christ so that on the day he calls we will be with him forever. Resting with God in the peace and the glory of heaven. What a joy it is for us today that even when we're wrestling with our sin, we can come and know that there will be a day when there will be no more sin, no more anguish over failure, no more mistakes. We will know the rest of God. God rested on the Sabbath day and the book of Hebrews points us on to a Sabbath rest. A rest that will be eternal and for our glory. There are some phrases that are used to describe people when they die that are very badly used. One of them is that word rest in peace. And it is used willy-nilly of all kinds of godless people. Friends, they will have no rest and they will have no peace unless they have been in Christ. For it is only in Him in eternity that there is true rest and true peace. And I say to you, guard your words, especially in our day, as to how you speak about people who have died, who you know, or at least have given no evidence of peace with God in this world. They will not rest. Sadly, they will not rest in peace. So let us be careful of our language that we do not give false hope to a godless world, but declare to them, you need to come to Christ to have an eternal rest. Do you hope to have rest in eternity? It must begin today in Jesus Christ as Lord. Enter into his presence 
Know the peace of heart that he gives now. And it will come to completion in the day of his honor. I hope these things have been helpful to you. Thinking about God's rest here as a pattern in Genesis chapter 2. How faithfully God shows us a rest. A rest that is given to man through the commandment that we need this day. A day to reflect, a day to honor God. And it is a day that should be set aside from all the ordinary activities. God had completed his work. He ceased from his labors. Our work may not be completed, but we need to cease from labor for a day, every week, to enter into rest. That ultimately we would enter into the rest that Jesus brings as he has shown us. So that in eternity, we will have complete rest in him.